uh, every day. And uh, thanks to all those who helped bring in stuff to the garage sale. It was a, a tremendous labor of love from a lot of folks. And uh, I just want to say thank you so very much. Have you noticed the different programming on cable TV? One of the greatest things that they're doing now is cooking shows. You've got all types of shows on how to cook different foods. And it's probably one of the most number one shows on those types of uh, media. But can you imagine what is number two in trying to get to be number one? That shows on how to diet. <laughs> and that brings me to this point. Why is it that fat chance and slim chance mean the same thing? <laughs> so take whatever you want out of that. Today's message is uh, broadcasting or broadcast seating, broadcast seating. And uh, I brought a, a little uh, whirlybird seeder. You put the grass seed or fertilizer in the top of the hopper. You push down this side of the button and you go, and it spreads the seed or the fertilizer out. If you walk fast enough and pump correctly, it's pretty much an even distribution. The old-fashioned way was to have a, a satchel over your shoulder and the seed in the bag. You put your hand in the bag and you throw it out with the, it's like a, baseball pitcher. They have the way they put their fingers on the strings of that ball and how they twist it, give it a sliding curve ball or whatever. It's the same way of broadcasting with your hand. You have to have the, the, the proper application to be able to put it out there. And then as each step you take, you have another handful and you just keep doing a, a, an even level distribution of the seed and you have a great harvest when it's all said and done especially when the rain, like today, pushes that seed down into the soil. And we, we, we recognize this message today as broadcast seeding. And it's an unusual thing. God works through the unusual. And he takes things and multiplies them. Just as you seed, you know, you're sowing seed and it multiplies so God works out all things and, and sows seed in the life of the body of Christ. We're looking at, uh, at Acts chapter 8, and in order to get involved with eight, chapter 8, you kind of need to stop and go back and, and get the preference of, of, the, of chapter 7 and verse 59. When they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Why in the world would a good man get stoned to death? And it is sometimes in life we don't fully understand why God does the things that he does. But uh, you look at back at chapter 6. In verse 8, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. Stephen, a man full of grace and power. He's not an apostle. He's an ordinary person. He loves God. 
and there's grace in him, and there's the power of God within him. And, and because of that, God used great wonders, great miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue, the freedom, as it's called, the Jews of Cyrene and Alexander, as the providence of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they trumped up charges against him. Who was Stephen? Stephen was a man of God. He was full of God's grace, full of God's power, and God miraculously did the supernatural through his life. He was set apart for kingdom use. He was in the process of, of broadcasting the seed of God. The, the, the mighty word of God was going forth. And the exciting part about it is, is that he was not assigned an apostle. He was a normal Christian man who loved God. And God used him mightily in the same form and fashion as the apostles. And he reached out and God miraculously healed people. Miraculous miracles took place. Why is that? Because he was full of grace. Because he was full of grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And God poured wisdom into his heart. The scripture says in James that if you lack wisdom to ask for it. I don't know about you, but I, I want to ask for wisdom. Amen? We're living in days where it's very difficult. Very difficult with the culture that we're living in. The culture of hatred. The culture of, of calling a, a lie the truth and calling truth a lie. And it, it just goes on and on and on. The difficult things that you and I are all facing at this point in life. So we have to have tunnel vision in the sense that we have to look to God. Yes, there's circumstances here. And yes, we need to pray against abortion. And yes, we need to pray against uh, the, the vices that's in the streets. And, and pray against evil. And pray that we not overcome by evil. That's God just keeps telling us. If you look in the Word, He says, Pray that I will keep you from evil. Here's Stephen, a perfect man of God, if you would, and they're stoning him to death because what he's saying it goes against their traditions of religion. And so it is Stephen at his very best and the religious sector of the world at its very worst in stoning a man of God. But get this, when they're being stoned, then the last thing's out of his mouth. He's, he's interceding, he's praying for those who are stoning him. A miraculous, a miraculous event took, takes place. And, and he is there, praying blessing upon those throwing the stones. Praying, God, don't, don't hold this account against them. And Saul is there giving his approval, even though he didn't throw a stone. Saul is there holding the cloaks of those who are doing the throwing of the rocks. Broadcast seating was happening in Stephen's life. And when a martyr dies, the seed is planted and a great harvest takes place. A great harvest takes place. A great harvest takes place. As that seed is put in the hopper 
And as the button is pushed down and the wheels go around, the seed is going out. Stephen's life was a seed that was planted. And Jesus stands and welcomes him home. And that's what really aggravated him the most of anything is that he proclaimed, I see Jesus. And, and with his death, the broadcasting of seed begins to take place. Chapter 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Great persecution. Great persecution. Not just persecution, but the scripture says great persecution. And how did that come about? That came about because God allowed it to happen. Great persecution broke out against the church. The church, the word church is ecclesia. And it's the meaning of a group of people coming together. It is a, it's dominantly used in the, in the New Testament to talk about an assembly or a company of Christians coming together and, and following the ways of God. It's, it's the whole body of Christ. The church represents the local church, but also the whole body of Christ. The company of Christians gather to, to worship, to share, and experience teaching. The ecclesia, that's the Greek word for the church. And it says the church came under persecution. You've got to remember the church is in homes. People open up their homes and have prayer meetings and have Bible studies in their homes and they share a meal sometimes together. And it's, it's just the, the joy of being together in God's presence. And persecution has come against this. God has allowed persecution to come against the body of Christ. The apostles, they're staying in Jerusalem. And the, the persecution seems to be coming to those who respond to the gospel that the apostles are declaring. And the persecution uh, gets very great. And in the process of that, it scatters the people. It scatters the people. It says here the apostles were, were all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So they were pushed out into other areas. They wanted to get away from Jerusalem, where the, it was a hot spot of religion. They, they had to find places to go to get away from the persecution. Godly men buried Stephen. So that, that's just a funeral service. No. The history of the day is, is that if you were persecuted, or rather if you was executed for a sin, a crime... There was no funeral. There was no, if you would, celebration of life. No memorial service. Because that person was Ichabod, tainted, not good. But godly men recognize the power of Stephen. And I have to think for a moment or two. Godly men, how did they become godly men? How did they become godly men? Was it Stephen's message of salvation? Was it Stephen uh, 
laying hands upon them and casting out demonic forces off of them? Was it Stephen who, who, who ministered to their lives to where they became godly men? Godly men means that their hearts were in tune with God. Godly men means that they were not involved in the things of the world, but they was focusing upon the word of God. They was focusing on the presence of God. They were involved with God. The scripture says they were godly men. And I think it's important to, to recognize what it says here. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Mourned deeply for him. Why? Once again, I think that because Stephen was the gospel torch, I believe Stephen brought the gospel message to them. I believe they came into a relationship with God through Stephen, and, and the connection was great, and they loved being in his presence. And now he is gone, and we will bury him with proper dignity. You see, what is mourning anyways? What is mourning? How, how do we go about describing mourning? Mourning is the act of sorrow. It's an expression of grief. You see, tears in black clothing, tears coming down your face in black clothing, is, is a mourning illustration of people who are mourning. And mourning is the expression of grief that's on the inside. Grief is on the inside, and you can't put it into words. And eventually, it comes out in mourning. It comes out in outward expression. So mourning is an outward expression of an inward hurt. Years ago, in, in Egypt, they would have black armbands. And usually, it was on the right arm. And they would wear them for 30 days following the death of a loved one, showing proper Morning, showing proper time of sorrow of their passing. And with mourning is sometimes tears. And I hear this, I see this verse, and I'm saying, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. It's one thing to say, I'm sorry for your loss. And it's another thing to begin to tear up and say, I am really sorry. For your loss. And I believe that these men were in tears. I believe when you mourn deeply, there are tears. There's an emotion that comes out because the grief is deep in the spirit of mankind. And I think it's really important for men to understand the fact that tears does not mean weakness, but tears is strength. Because you are praying prayers of prayers that can't be prayed any other way but through tears. God hears our heart. God knows our mourning. He knows the pain of death. God understands. He put those emotions within us. And so mourning is something that's very important and it's something valuable. It brings healing to the human soul. It sets us apart from everything else. Mourning is proper and it is good for the health of the physical body. They mourn deeply for him. Because he was a good man. He did not deserve this. But God uses tragedy anyways. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going house to house. Dragging out men and women. And putting them in prison. Going house to house. Remember? I've mentioned to you that church wasn't a building then. It was in homes. 
he would seek out and do anything in his power to remove Christians from the presence of God. But what he didn't understand was you can't remove Christians from the presence of God. As long as a Christian keeps praising God, his presence, God's presence will be with them. Amen? Chapter 26 and verse 10, it kind of describes uh, what Paul was involved in doing. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many times I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme in my obsession against them. I even went to foreign countries or foreign cities to persecute them. Paul was death to the church. He was death to anyone who proclaimed Jesus. I said Paul, I meant Saul, because later down the road he becomes Paul. Saul began to destroy the church. And God said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You cannot destroy the church. God's blessing is upon the church. It's his institution. It's his plan. It's his purpose. And even though these godly men had to give up Stephen and had to go through the mourning process and and crying tears of tears over his death, there was again persecution coming. More persecution. Now it's not just Stephen, that's not one individual. It's anyone who proclaims the name of Jesus Christ is open for beating and going to prison. Now I've got to remind you that a few chapters before this, these people were getting filled with the Holy Ghost and the heaven speaking in tongues. They were supercharged Christians. The anointing of God was upon them. Speaking in tongues is the ability of God working through you and you yielding your tongue and your lips to allow the prayers of God to come through your mouth. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. You say, Pastor, how do you know they saw the Holy Ghost? Here's, here's the answer right here. Those who had been scattered preached the word of God wherever they went. What happens when the word of God is preached? People get saved. What happens when the word of God is preached? People get healed because God wants to do healing power to to bring glory to him. Do miracles get people saved? No, but they wake up people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The word of God is what saves people. The miracles are there. Saul did everything he could to destroy the church. But it didn't happen. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Living the word and preaching the word is vital. It's not just standing up and and preaching a message. But you preach the word by how you act and what you do. How you treat the cashier who is taking her sweet time when you got no time to wait. God giving you a love and a compassion and an understanding heart for someone who's going through a difficult time. And it's so important that we live what we preach and preach what we live. Those who have been scattered preach the word of God wherever they went. Wherever they went. And so that doesn't mean it was just in the synagogue. That means in the marketplace. That means wherever they found a listening ear. 
Verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed, so there was great joy in the city. Again, it doesn't say apostle Philip. It says Philip. Philip and Stephen were peas in a pod. They were two men who loved God with all their heart. And God miraculously used them. Here's Philip, an evangelist. He's not an apostle. He, he is pushed out of, of the city because of the persecution. And he's taking the word of God. He's moving with the word of God. And the miraculous happens. Miraculous signs. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs... He performed them, all paid close attention to what he had to say. You see, the miracles cause people to pay attention to the Word of God. And the Word of God is the force that changes our lives. It's the Word of God that moves within us, that, that quickens us and helps us in every way. With, with shrieks, evil spirits came out of people. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is a tremendous tool against satanic attack. And I, I encourage you to use that old-time phrase, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You're making a declaration to the demonic around you that God is God and that God is greater and bigger than anything in your life and God can do great things. Philip, an ordinary man of God, enjoyed preaching the gospel and seeing great things happen. Why is it? Because he sought God. Philip was involved in miraculous, bringing salvation to mankind. The miracles brings people's attention to the message. The miracles enlarge the word of God, if you would, to where they begin to see maybe there's truth in this. And it confirms the word. When God speaks through the word of God, it touches people's lives. And their lives are turned around. It is fantastic to watch the presence and the power of God Almighty. The power of God. The man is the great power of God. This man is the great power of God. Philip had a tremendous anointing upon his life. Verse 9. Now, on some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city. And amazed at all the people of Samaria, he boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. Deception. Counterfeit deception. The devil has a counterfeit for the things of God. And here was an individual who had been duped to believe in the magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time. Satan will move in circles to cause people to be deceived. And we wonder 
how people can do the awful things they do. As you see the news, walking into a mall and shooting innocent people, how does that happen? That's demonic movement in their brain. Sometimes it's emotional chemical imbalance in their brains. But the devil uses all evil things to his benefit. And here he practiced sorcery. He was, he was demonic, but he was doing miracles, and people were amazed at the magic. They were in, entertained by him, and he was doing everything in his power to uh, gain notoriety. It was all about him. That is a key to help you understand when deception is happening. People who are involved in deception think it's all about them. And in reality, what's going on in life is all about Jesus. And we give him the praise and we give him the glory forever and forever. But when they believed Philip and he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. When they heard the truth and they witnessed the presence of God Almighty on Philip's heart, they were brought out of the deception. They were brought out of the counterfeit. No longer were they involved. And we must recognize the fact that, that the sorcerer comes to know Jesus right here. But the problem is, is that the scripture doesn't tell us that he confessed of his sins. It doesn't say that he came and repented and said, I'm sorry for the sins that I have committed. I am sorry for the people that I've led astray. You look in here and you don't see that anywhere. But when they believed Philip, and as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Baptized in water. They was doing the, the godly thing to say, I'm leaving this old world behind and I'm going to serve Jesus with all my heart. Simon himself believed and was baptized. That's all it says. Believed and baptized. And you say, Pastor, you're really hard on him. Well, later on in the chapter, you'll see why I'm hard on him. Because he was scamming, scamming the system. He saw Philip functioning in the supernatural of the Holy Spirit. And he went through the motions to try to get the same trickery that he thought Philip was about. He didn't realize he was so deceived, he didn't realize that Philip was absolutely 100% sold out to God. It wasn't about Philip. It was about God working through Philip. It was about people getting saved and, and coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The early church was persecuted. The early church was pushed out in the other cities around Jerusalem. And when they were pushed out... What happened in their hearts, deep inside them, they had to share. They had to tell about this Jesus who died on Calvary's cross for their sins. They had to tell about this Jesus who had changed their lives. They had to tell about this Jesus that does miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles. They had to do it because God put it in their hearts because they had been set free. They, they no longer was bound by demonic forces. They were set free in the presence of God Almighty. In life, it changed for them. And they had to tell somebody. How did it all happen? Persecution caused the church 
to broadcast seed everywhere. And everywhere they went, they preached. Everywhere they went, people were being affected by it. Is it sad that a good man like Stephen had to die? Yes, it is sad. But I propose to you that God takes seed and multiplies. Think of what's happening. This persecution, being being thrown in prison, actually being killed, being executed because you, you were living for Jesus, caused the others to spread, and the gospel went quicker and faster than any other way possible. Because God used the death of one individual to spread out. Where persecution came upon the church, it, people began to move about so that they couldn't be caught, but they could preach the word. They could tell others about Jesus. And the gospel came forth. Missionaries, missionaries, missionaries were sent out. They were the first missionaries that God resurrected. And God used them mightily for souls to be saved to be baptized in water. And later on we'll see the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking tongue, begins to flow throughout the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is still going on today. We are living in the book of Acts. We must recognize that God is in control and knowing that God is greater than the counterfeit things of this world. Because there is counterfeit out there. And we want the genuine word of God, just like Philip preached, just like Stephen preached. Men of God, godly men. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. And Lord, we look at the church and we understand that the church was formed because of great persecution. And Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ around the world today. And Lord, there are some in prison today because of the gospel. Other nations don't have an appreciation for God like America once had. And Lord, we, we, we pray, God, that you would move throughout America with a revival. God, that people would be saved and fill the Holy Ghost. Lord, that our family would be saved and fill the Holy Ghost. Lord, that our extended families would be saved and fill the Holy Spirit with the evidence speaking in tongues. God, that you would do great and miraculous miracles. Not that we can say it was performed through us, but it was, we allowed your Holy Spirit to work through us to flow out and to touch other people. God, give us the ability to live such a life that it will preach to our neighbors, that it will preach to those we do business with in, in, the, in the sector, in the marketplace, Lord, wherever we go. Holy Spirit, go before us. Holy Spirit, surround us, that others will see Christ in us, and we will see people saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. God, thank you. Thank you for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you care for us today. And you want the church to continue to grow. You want the church to continue to proclaim the gospel. And you want to see sinners come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, it's not your will that any should perish, but all might have eternal life. God, help us. To seek your face for souls to be saved. Thank you, Father God, for our missionaries that's on the front lines in foreign countries, Lord, where it's illegal to preach the gospel, but God, they're living the gospel out and quietly sharing in small circles and seeing people saved. God, thank you for what you have done, but thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. 
For Jesus, we know that you're coming back. We know that the return of Christ is near. We don't know the time nor the hour because we're told we'll never know that. But we know that the things of this world are getting worse. And God, your spirit is ramping up. Your spirit is beginning to show out more and more. And so God, help us to be in tune with you that your Holy Spirit would work through our lives with great power and great authority, that lives would be changed and transformed for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you for those who have shared it from home with us today. Thank you for sharing with us and share with somebody else about the miraculous works of the Holy Spirit. As you've heard it spoke today, the life of Stephen, the life of Philip, ordinary men who love God, godly men who buried Stephen. Awesome, awesome how the church began and how it continues to flourish today because of Jesus. God bless you. The altars are open.